Oh, oh there now he is. recording. Uh, there he is. Hi, Craig. What the f is going on down there? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another TCG Supplemental. Uh, you might think, oh, but you already did the really good one where you and Aaron talked to uh, to Drew from Wizards of the Coast. Well, Aaron, we did do that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Well, guess it was, what? It was an okay show, I guess. Yeah, it was pretty good. But I mean, I mean, the the crux of it is is talking to to someone who's related to the game. So we uh, we busted down the door, and once again, hello, Drew from Wizards of the Coast. Hey, guys. Welcome back. You got me. You got me back again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first time was fantastic. I got to say, I really enjoyed talking with you both. Um, Aaron, Chris, you're wonderful hosts. Uh, and I am really happy to be here again and talk to you and to all your fans. Well, thank you. Hopefully we won't shatter that image now that we've had hands-on with the game and got all kinds of pedantic player questions for you. Like, uh, like why isn't Brainstorm on the Brainstorm card, etc., etc. Super high expectations, guys. Super. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna do a, just a quick little debrief because when we talked to you last, I, me me and Aaron had mostly just played with starter cards, I believe. Yep. Um, <laughs> so now we've spent too much money on cards, so mm-hmm. uh, we we've had our hands on it. Ah, no worries. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. Some company called Wizards of the Coast makes them. Hopefully, they got to, they got some decent kickback from those sales, but. I hear there's smart people there. Oh man, me too. This guy, this guy John. That's a character. That fellow. He carries himself like a human. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we've had our hands on with some cards, uh, and I gotta say, um, and maybe it's because I like limited card pools, and because I find Magic daunting. Getting back into it in 2018, and then trying to make commander decks, and then people telling you about 25 year old cards you've never heard of. Um, but deck brewing in Transformers, I've been really enjoying, and a lot of it's coming on the back of, it, it seems like, and maybe this is by intention, a lot of what I would call staple battle cards, like basic backbone cards that a majority of your generic decks uh, would probably just want, seem to mostly be commons as well. Like ra- Rapid Conversion being like the the card I can't actually imagine a deck without Rapid Conversion in it. Right. Absolutely intentional. So for the first set we released, we wanted to make sure that that even people who had small, you know, new collections had the core tools to, you know, make decks and have some satisfying games. Um, and one of the things you'll notice is a lot of the higher rarity cards are things that are a lot more niche, um, whether it's niche in, in deck building, um, you know, play this only on a leader, or whether it's niche in terms of, of a very narrow thing um, that not all decks would want to do, like um, Photon Bomb. Yeah, but not everybody wants to shoot themselves. Yeah, like uh, right. full burn or or the Dinobot and Insecticon cards. Yep, exactly. So that is that is really cool that you guys called that out because it was very much as a way to um, enable players to get right into sat- great games without having to go dig and dig and dig for three copies of a card that was rare. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been nice in that it also gives you some. Gu- I found anyway when I popped open my first booster box and I just ended up with three and three of Bug Bomb and Swarm. It felt like okay between that and I've got I've got all but Chop Shop of the Insecticons. It feels like I have a clear super specialized deck I can go for right off the bat. Um, it's it's really the only frustration I think is when people are going full collection and you know Aaron's got his fantastic. The best part. Aaron, I don't mean to call it out again, is when you you had gone through, what, your fourth booster box, you still had never seen Hunkered Down, I think it was? Uh, yeah, four booster boxes, I had gotten a Hunker Down. No, I got, on my second to last pack, I got a Hunker Down. Right, right, you got the one Hunker Down. And, and, that's, and no that's like, special rares Yeah, and, and that's, like, that's like a tank, that's a tank battle card, so it... It's yeah. kind of like this this rare battle card you had a lot of trouble finding on the, the, the roll of the die was still for a tribal deck that currently seems like there's only like a handful of ways to even do like full tank focus as opposed to splashing tank. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm really interested uh, as to when this video is published, whether or not what we think is the ideal tech tank, tank deck will become widespread. Hmm. I've seen I've seen someone win a tournament. That they oh, at a, a local game store that they posted the deck list. I saw someone win a tournament with it. Well, it's it's like one card off from what we think is the ideal version of the tank deck. Mm. Um, but I, I don't see people, the majority of people talking about what 
what we think is the best deck for that. Yeah, the the conversation around the meta in the in the Facebook group, at least, which is still proven to actually be the uh, one of the biggest concentrations of players. I, I've noticed again, and I, I don't mean to. I'm not trying to to hit a a blowing smoke level here. It's just one of the other pleasant things I found was. Early on, it appeared that Nemesis Prime might be the backbone of the top-level deck in general. Um, a lot of people running Nemesis Optimus or Nemesis Cosmos. Um, but it seems every time someone says that they did well with a Nemesis deck or they post a Nemesis deck list, someone is coming into the comments to specifically say, oh, but I beat a deck almost like that with usually Dinobots or Insecticons. It's one of the, the absolute joys from as you know someone who's on this side of the table is watching a new uh, the, the meta game for a new game evolve and mm. looking as to where our predictions like the things that we designed in where where our designs come true where people don't find some of the things that we've designed although that eventually always happens um, and then also where people players find things that we didn't think of or combinations that we didn't expect I mean there's only so much you can test, and a lot of it is, is based on math and predictions on our end. Mm. Uh, but I am I am very pleased with watching the the discussion about the metagame. You know, Cosmos and and Nemesis Prime that that is a strong deck. You're you're gonna you're gonna win games with that. But there are foils for it, and I think Insecticons are a particularly good foil because if you can get a little bit lucky with the go wide strategy against. Uh, Nemesis and Cosmos, you can really pile on in the first couple of turns. Mm-hmm. And if you take out one of those two characters in, we, we call them the go, go tall decks. Um, take out you know one of those two characters, you have a really good shot. Right. Yeah. No. So actually, another one of those um, kind of hard counters ended up being I had a I pulled Cosmos and I had Inferno as the other since I didn't have Nemesis, and he had. He was playing his uh, Shockwave uh, Rare Optimus and just kept Shockwave on the, hey, if you discard a card, you take damage. So uh-huh. the whole the whole draw discard engine of Cosmos just got shut down because there was no way I was even cycling around to that to try and get it to trigger. So it's it was frustrating, Chris. It yes. is. But that, that's something that keeps powerful cards in check. Yeah, I- I was I was very hopeful because the first deck I really wanted to build when I pulled out of my first box I pulled Rare Optimus and Shockwave and I really like the the Chaos Theory and Shadow Play story arcs in the comics that are very much about Optimus and Shockwave amongst others. So I thought uh-huh. I'll, I'll make a deck called Shadow Play. It'll be about it'll be high action for Rare Optimus, but I'll make a ton of those actions involve discard so that while Optimus is popping extra actions, he may he's either doing damage himself or Shockwave is just standing in the background causing damage as a result. And uh, I thought. That it would be a good hard counter, not even just to Cosmos, but also specifically Nemesis Prime, who feels kind of like, sort of like your, your games, Workshop games. There, there's a lot of times where in, in 40k they'll say the Space Marines are sort of the metric by which you you compare most other characters, and I feel like in TCG or Transformers TCG, when you want to figure out if a deck's really strong, one of the things to think about is how will this do against Nemesis Prime, and how will it do against uh, Insecticons and Dinobots? Like those seem to be the trinity of, I guess, the metric right now. Uh, and so I was really hopeful that it would mess with someone who wants to run through their battle deck, and at least in that one game, it, it incredibly did. Aaron, I think, wanted to actually kill me. Uh, maybe you were you had you had a big smile on your face when I had to play against a shockwave, and we had two shockwaves in bot mode, just ruining each other's day. Mm-hmm. Like that was oh yeah yeah it was it was great <laughs> watching you sit there and crinkle your forehead going man this sucks to play against suddenly system reboots no good when it hurts me too the shockwave mirror match is rough like shockwaves anathema is himself <laughs> yeah shockwave mirror match is 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 a, 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 a well it goes fast let's put it that way yeah yeah it was a uh, for me it was that and it was uh, i ran a, a real quick kind of slop together uh planes deck and uh, I, I did not realize Slipstream could be, would be the backbone of that deck. That that passive um, passive damage counter on a plane thing, when I started to outnumber the other team, it, it wrecked their day. Um, granted, I, I, I got very lucky. My opponent was was playing... I guess they were, they were spreading their damage. They, they were less going for the kill and more going, what if I just damage everyone so I can start popping them off one by one? And that meant I had three planes. I was able to start offloading damage when I realized how the cards worked. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think your opponent was playing the best strategy against that particular plane configuration. Or honestly, planes in general, because there's a bunch of them that 
count counters around. That's kind of their thing. Yeah, right. And, and, and moving the counters around like that—that that really it turned a tide in a way that I wasn't. It was like a, it was like a certain kind of tactile feeling on the game, quite literally. Of like, I'm just going to take this counter and put it over there. Uh, it was interesting. Like passing damage uh, seems like a really cool mechanic. I remember when that when that happened in in the design phase. Someone was like, "Oh, you know, we can do damage, but what if we just move it?" And we started playing around with that, and it felt really satisfying. And and then it ended up coalescing in in Decepticon planes. It's it's um, got so- me actually trying to dissuade people from using dice now as damage counters because it's uh, having physical damage counters of some kind. It's it makes the game feel more smooth thanks to mechanics like that. Um, you know, as opposed to like flipping one die down and the other one up. I don't know. It's a very, very specific tactile thing uh, that I kind of liked. But Aaron, we uh, unless you got something else, you want to want to get into the the fresh juicy stuff, the stuff. That's... Uh, yeah, we can we can jump to that. All right, because we got we're going to talk a bit about something. When you're hearing this podcast, we're re- for context, we're recording this on like November first, um, in case we're talking about TFCon and stuff. Because you're not hearing this until a couple weeks later, roundabouts. More like a couple days later. I don't know. Plans change. Uh, you're hearing this closer to when the Metroplex set is out. However, we're, we're kind of looking at it right now, uh, and we're going to talk about it. So uh, hopefully you're listening to this when you're getting ready to go pick it up, or you maybe just picked it up, and you're thinking, I want to hear some commentary on the thing. We're going to get Drew to, to commentate us through some of these cards. Um, the Metroplex deck is three character cards, a Titan card, and a 40-card battle card deck. That deck has three new cards, and you get a play set of each, so that's nine cards out of the 40. Um, And there's some interesting stuff going on here. So the first thing I want to ask, with the Titan mechanic, this is what I've kind of assumed. The Titan is 25 points. The characters under him are an attachment within that 25 points, but those characters have their own point values for if you want to use them in other decks, is is the impression I got. Absolutely correct. So... You know, Metroplex, at the beginning of the game, you put those characters under him, their point values don't count towards the 25-point total because they're not in the game, hmm. effectively. Sorry. Okay. They're not on the battlefield. They don't They don't count towards the 25-point value, and you can only deploy them if you manage to do what Metroplex needs to do, which is to flip them back and then flip them back again to alt mode to, to pop out a character. So it's, it's almost like a, a mechanical version of the opening two turns where... He he can't just you know blap out three more characters. It will take him two turns per uh, to get them out. I, actually, initial question: Does rapid conversion work on Metroplex? Absolutely. In the same way that rapid conversion, um, when you use it to convert to alt mode or anything that converts a character to alt mode outside of your one once per turn flip, um, all of the alt mode abilities that say when you flip to this mode, they they work. Okay, so you can you can cheat you can you can cheat the tempo to get uh, the yeah, other characters out. Yeah. Get okay. So stack cool. stack some brainstorms and rapid conversions then. <laughs> be yeah. be mean. Um, all right, and then uh, I also wanted to point out something because I know this had been theorized on the Facebook group and in, on the Reddit, and it was so cool to see this true for actually all three of them. The Metroplex minions are four star characters, which is huge to me. Um, at least yep. for Scamper, because Scamper is a car type, and there are like, Cliff Jumper, easy example, uh, a, a four star car that you can maybe sacrifice on purpose could get, do an easy early game buff to Cliff Jumper, and and I find that fascinating. Yeah, so we specifically designed these characters with star values so that you could play them in other decks, and specifically as low low star value characters to help create the possibility of some other combinations. You know, Slammer's a tank. The math doesn't quite as as work out as it does with Scamper, but there you know that does open up a little bit of play around that play there, mm-hmm. um, especially if you want to add in a non tank character to a tank deck and use Slammer to get another tank in, but keep the points low. So that's huge for Living Weapon Megatron because uh, because tanks right now there's there's only a few of them and and it kind of feels like if you want to run a multi tank setup, Living Weapon Megatron doesn't entirely fit. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of wide strategies because you know he's he's coming in with thirteen stars, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's that's the one other real big thing that made me blink here. Slammer uh, is a one mode character. It looks like so he absolutely is a one mode character. The back of him, he's got the regular card back the same way a battle card does. I was wondering I, about nah. that. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so it was. It was an interesting decision. Slammer isn't really... I mean, Slammer is a a character in wider Transformers lore, but he's really Metroplex. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But Metroplex, he doesn't have a, a really an independent consciousness. He doesn't have a, a personality. He's really an extent, a mobile extension of Metroplex. Um, so we, we had a lot of debates as to how to represent this character. Um, and honestly, we wanted to test out like right now and probably for a long, long time, he's the one mode character. Um, but this seemed to be living within the spirit of uh, Slammer toy versions. Mm. Uh, what do you think of it? I'm I'm so here's here's the way I reacted when I saw all of this I see three mechanics that we ha- that are new to the game getting groundwork here one of them maybe not a mechanic but the four star character debuting um yeah. we've also got the deployable character debuting and we've got the one mode character debuting all of those things to me seem like stuff that can apply to a whole bunch of non metroplex stuff down the line uh that's yeah. just my thinking I would add in one more one more um, new thing there, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the, su- the the super ultimate. Take a look at you know Metroplex's robot mode. Oh right, a, yeah, the, right. the full the full flip. <laughs> a fairly complex to achieve uh, flip condition that does something really spectacular. Oh yeah, that's I mean that, yeah. that seems like a. It seems kind of like a Planeswalker's alt from from Magic the Gathering, except it's not something you really can as easily set up for. So it it puts less of a target on Metroplex, I guess, in that you... Like, with a Planeswalker, you're building counters towards the alt. With Metroplex, it's more... There is the fear that, like, how... Did my opponent really mathematician this and and preload with, uh, you know, with incoming and stuff? Well, at least with, with like, you know, looking at the other cards that are... exclusive to this between height advantage giving bold four and then each of the other each of his minions kind of giving another bold you could be rolling off what eight ten cards oh yeah on just that let alone any other things if you give metroplex a flamethrower or something be running through a quarter of your deck and have better odds but that's time to set up yeah i i um I have gotten the god draw with this deck, which is <laughs> no seconds. Have your one card play be flamethrower, hit a crit, a white pip, and then just get red, red, white, white, blue, blue on tur- on your first turn of the game. Uh, it's that's disgusting. What's it like to look in the the eyes of the person across the table from you when that happens? Like that seems beautiful. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. <laughs> Metroplex is, is naturally pretty good against um, two-bot teams and a little bit weaker against uh, very wide teams who just get to pile on him for a couple of turns before Metroplex can stabilize by getting other characters in play. Yeah. Um, and I have, my opponent happened to be uh, Decticons, and so I just I, I basically had stolen from him his first pile on opportunity by <laughs> untapping everybody at the end. It's right. Cause you tap everybody. And so they, they untap. So you, your opponent doesn't get that pile on turn. Yeah. Right. Um, he, he was just like, Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's where you scoop your card. Say, I don't like playing with you. You big poopy face and <laughs> go on to the next one. Uh, well, I mean, he, he beat me because insecticons are, they are good against that. It, they seem like they could swing back if if he's built for bold and built for orange and like just you know really get some dead eye focus going on Metroplex. Um, right. Just one last mechanics question about Metroplex, only because it's a new word, and I want to clarify this. Even though so Titan, that's not making him unable to equip anything, right? Like like you could essentially put you know flamethrowers etc. on him. They they'd be yeah. very small, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, he has. So he Metroplex is for all all purposes a character card who obeys all the rules of character cards titan is for now there's really only one card that that really asks for that and that's um hide advantage right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but you know there are other titans in in the transformers universe in fact there's like 12 of them mm-hmm. so you never know i couldn't help but notice the one battle card that didn't say metroplex but said titans with a symbol yeah. right or it does, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it's like they thought ahead or something. I also, it's crazy. 
I adore, now that I finally got to see the city mode side of Metroplex, I love how you guys and all your promo material have only been showing the robot mode, because it's like, that seems pretty cool, but like, it's the city mode side that's kind of like, hey, in case you had some some hard questions about what's going on here, that's on the back of the JPEG. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and part of that's intentional, Yeah. and part of that is because, you know, the alt modes have the when you flip this mode so you have to do the one flip and then flip again to actually trigger that yeah um but 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 i will say from a marketing point of view it was very awesome to be able to put the giant robot picture on the side that everybody gets to see first or everybody's like it's an eight inch tall robot and then and then hold off on some of the nitty gritties until later also speculate and we love watching fans speculate i'm amazed how much of the speculation came true uh, I mean, even the four-star thing coming true, despite that more being couched in the idea that they would add up to 25 with Metroplex, um, it makes me really happy to see this because there were some conversations at TFCon of immediately wondering, like, where precisely would this game go next? Or you know, what are some of the potential places this game could go next realistically without rewriting its entire uh, bedrock immediately? And uh, yeah. it's just fun, subtle things in here being presented. You know, the four-star character, to me, is huge. Because uh, as I was trying to build character teams without a full uh, suite available to me, running into the situation where it's like, I need someone who's this star value. And, and when it came to four stars, it's like, that star value doesn't exist. Uh, it makes me hopeful to see other star values. Even I, I don't know where they would necessarily fit in, but I'm hoping someday we can finally have the one-star character uh the, the i guess like walking upgrade card <laughs> so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk too much about future future stuff but i i will say you will see low star characters again um the second booster set has several and mm. they are for, exactly for the purpose that reason that you just mentioned they are very very powerful they are deceptively powerful and not so much because they are individually powerful but because in aggregate they are powerful yeah yeah so we're, we're, we are going to continue to play in that space for a little bit because we do really much like how it does good things for go-wide teams and for offering a variety of, you know, like if your two favorite characters add up to 21 points, well, now you have options and so on and so forth. You right. That, yeah. was, that was the big thing that got me seeing four stars was like that you don't feel like you're leaving stuff on the table if you've got, you know, oh, I've got 20 points, 21 points. Yep. And like, uh, I guess, I guess I'm just giving the other player four points. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's the thing I looked at for a little bit between all the Insecticons back and forth. Uh, cause I built an Insecticon deck and I, I think, oh, I, I think I was like leaving one or two and it's like, well, I mean, everybody else will be right. And now yeah. hearing that, you know, potentially there's that option to like fill in a fifth slot that maybe you'll give it a little bit of juice, uh, you know, even if it's that, you know, first turn and then it gets just targeted down or something that still maybe gives relief for other things. It it opens up uh, a lot more different ways to expand. And that's that is what I think will make it super interesting um, to continue on. Exactly. There there are a lot of 21 point teams and 20 point teams, but but particularly the 21 point teams who were really tough to conscience playing in a 25-star environment until Metroplex comes out and gives you the option of running a four-star character to, to, to round it out. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're in these interesting spaces where you have a four a four-bot team and you just don't attack with Scamper, right? Like you just leave him to last and he he's always the pylon. Yeah. Right. And and he's able to he's also able to carry a full suite of upgrades. Um the, I mean exactly. When I call him a sack engine, it's more like, to me, Scamper's less a participant as as a full-on character, but more like, now I have this fourth vector by which to use upgrades that have additional effects. Um, you know, also, he's you know, he, can, he can run in to do two or three damage plus flips. Uh, the reason I focused on Scamper so much is I found car teams, there are so many interesting, cool cars who are also seven or eight stars, uh, mm-hmm. that a, a four-star car is so welcome uh not not mm-hmm. not to you know brush um red alert off to the table but like the 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 i guess the 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 vanilla characters who are above 5 stars are harder to feel good about putting in the team than even with scamper you know on a non metroplex team he's ostensibly a vanilla character because his his abilities are so metroplex focused um 
but but it feels like he's filling in a gap more so than like taking up space where I could feel like, oh, if only there was another six star with abilities, I'd feel more like I'm putting another cliff jumper in or something. Um, yep. And, and I mean, there, there is there are there are deck building options built intentionally built into the three different characters. Uh, three armor is nothing to scoff at. I mean, three points is not particularly great, but three armor is um, uh, reasonable. And that, that's, four, that's upper end, I think. Yeah, for four point right. There's there 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 are a few four armor characters, but not many. So mm-hmm. three armor for four points is interesting. Um, six gun in his bot mode. Uh, has four attack naturally, and while he gets his butt whipped because <laughs> he has no defense and five hit points, mm-hmm. he does get one one big swing in. So if you can build a deck where you just leave him in bot mode and consistently protect, protect him, and he piles on, that's interesting. And Scamper is a card and is balanced. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and there's so much. The one thing, this slide aside, the one thing that's been killing me with my pulls so far, the one rare I've not pulled a single one of so far is Start Your Engines. So I, I have all these oh, interesting really? car ideas, but I keep looking at Start Your Engines and thinking, oh, that would be a great cherry on top of this deck. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm working towards that. Um, and and what you're also mentioning about their weaknesses, it, it should we should note the other two Metroplex cards that are not the height advantage card, which is the height advantage tells me Titans. It seems like Titan mechanics. Looking at Metroplex, looking at height advantage, bold is, seems like something that t- a Titan mechanic character would be way into if if it's going to be stuff like you know try to flip a certain combo of pips um but protected by metroplex and rally of the city uh are they seem like fantastic and also very basic um protection cards for this kind of team like you've got a card so that metroplex can tank kind of like a a stronger or i guess reverse heroism um to to ensure metroplex is taking the damage on his massive hp and then rally of the city rally of the city uh looks to me like the kind of card that that says metroplex is a hub in that it's like he is providing card advantage um, you know, his minions are upping that, but it's, it seems like the, the, the Metroplex specific cards are very much, they, they seem to be very oriented towards defensive play of like, you know, you're, you're, you're creating your dominion, you're building your hand, you're protecting your characters. The game's going to move at your, your pace. And that pace is probably not going to be ballistic, which a lot of the top decks right now, aside from tanks, they seem to be very ballistic oriented. So this seems like a pretty cool counter as well. Yeah, and and exactly as you said, there is a there is a little bit of a of a slower pace to the beginning of Metroplex games, unless you were a complete luck sack and just completely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was flipped the god hand twice. Oh, I won. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the other really interesting things about Metroplex deck uh, is that it kind of changes its play style as the game goes on. Uh, when when you just have Metroplex, or when you just have Metroplex in one character, it's um, it's really one play style. But then, if you if you do manage to get all of his friends in play, or even two of his friends in play, suddenly um, it becomes a lot about how you can, and then simultaneously you suddenly get a lot more bold yeah. on Metro. Yeah, and then suddenly you're in this world where you went from playing a little bit more of a passive control style to the style where you really just want to slam and get that Metroplex ultimate every turn, and then have all your little guys pop. Uh, pile on um, and just take advantage of that. And then everybody untaps and then, you know, and then you're in a world where you, you keep trying to do that while at the same time balancing, not letting your opponent knock out the little guys. It, it, it plays very, very interesting. I, I really like the play of this. Well, it, it seems like also in a lot of, a lot of what I'm seeing here, it, it seems like it invites the opponent to, to feel like, oh, you've got to take out the minions to, to debuff Metroplex. But then much like actually the shadow play deck I made, I like the idea of a deck where it's like, like, like shockwave is kind of the threat in that deck. However, Optimus Rare, uh, is, is, is flipping over. If I bold him up, he's flipping over like six cards of which he can probably play at least one of them. Um, mm-hmm. so, so you, when you create multiple threats, uh, in this game, in my limited experience so far, that seems like the most interesting style where where you're making the opponent decide who to go after, and no matter who they go after, it's probably the wrong decision in some way. It's kind of like you're either going at Metroplex and just eating it, and the chance he might do the alt, or you're you're taking out his support, but then you've also got 35 health Metroplex with six attacks just hanging out up there. Yep. And it also seems like, it, yeah, the, a lot about this is also balanced. He can't he can't just fire out all his dudes unless you get some real lucky brainstorm pulls um, and and rapid. Uh, 
so I, I, I'm really excited to see how this turns out. My, um, I, I have one more question, but Aaron, what about you? I want to, I want to pop over to you for a sec. Uh, anything else here standing out you, you meant to highlight? Uh, no, not directly. I mean, I'm <laughs> the one joke comment I had is how am I supposed to double sleeve the uh, Metroplex? So well, that is a question I had. Yes, I mean, how am I supposed to double okay. sleeve the, the Metroplex card? Is Saran wrap? Double sleeve? I don't have. An, I don't know if I have a great answer to you, but I can. <laughs> single sleeve is definitely po- a possibility, given that you can get, put them in binder size sleeves. Yeah, I was one thing I had fun doing at TFCon was in front of people in a public space, double sleeving a character card because I think someone actually got nauseous. Uh, yeah, I, I did see someone like wait. Why why are you doing that now? And it was just like, no, I have to. I yeah. have to. Everything gets double sleeve. And then you take the double sleeve card, and then I, I finally got a hold of some of those three and a half by five hard top loaders. So I yeah. put a double sleeve character card into a top loader, and then and then someone passed out. And they were like, this is too much. <laughs> um, this is bouncing off our previous talk. Um, so Metroplex, uh, the character cards are those some of the art you had commissioned uh, fresh for yes. the game? Yes, they absolutely okay. are. Scamper, Six Gun, and Slammer are all completely new art, um, original to the Transformers trading card game. Uh, and it's I think it's the first time, it is the first time, that the public has seen uh, new card art from us. And it is, um, was this all uh, Marcelo doing this stuff? Uh, these these cards were Marcelo, yeah. Um, okay. And okay, co- cool. Powered by Volta uh, uh, Creation and Hasbro. Right. Okay. So it's like the packaging art setup uh, in a lot yep, of ways. Exactly. Cool. And and so I got to ask: when you gave the direction on Six Guns Alt Mode, was there like any kind of moment of pause where you're like, Six Gun, uh, he's a gun. So sh- <laughs> <laughs> draw a picture of a gun shooting. <laughs> um, there was actually a lot of discussion more at the design end of how we should handle Six Gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a story for another day. Yeah, <laughs> but I will. But the art direction for Six Gun, once we had that set of question settled, that was that was fine. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's it's not a difficult direction to give. Um, you know, turret cannon mounted on his shoulder, pretty cool. Right. Uh, it's funny that you're asking these questions, and I want to give you guys, and I want to give the public answers about. I'm literally in the middle of commissioning 160 new pieces of art. And um, there's there's a better answer to that question, guys. And when when we talk, I don't know, sometime in 2019, I will will better mark remind me. And and I will answer the question about Six Gun and his all mode better. No worries. No worries. Um, Yeah, also for, for context... I don't know if this is, you don't have to say anything, but I'll say for context, it was like, I think yesterday or today that the Italy um, news dropped on a few more siege toys and six, six gun was amongst them. So this has also just been, yeah. this has been a very six gun 48 hours for me and I'm enjoying it because I'm, I'm one of the three fans of six gun before it was cool to be a fan of six gun. Um, <laughs> I, but, I, I also, enjoy, so here's a secret, it's a secret about Drew is I like parts formers. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have just like written me out when they heard that, written me right out of their 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 uh, esteem. But I, I like parts formers. Um, I think they're very cool, and they, they sort of to me connect my love of building toys and my love of formers in a way that I think is unique and interesting. And so I've always enjoyed. Them. You've um, you've okay. got to get Hasbro to hook you up with some of the Weaponizer Deluxes from the next generation's line, is what I'll say. I, uh, I, I would love, I would love that six gun. They're yeah, they're they're doing now. They've got three deluxes whose entire basis is we break apart into weapons. Uh, so, dear Hasbro, please hook Drew up. We hooked him up with a Cosmos, so it's your turn. Um, there we go, guys. So yeah, the um the other the other main question I have is we know that nine of the sorry you you started this. Who who were the other two that they revealed? Uh, it was Brunt. That's um, a Trypticon's tank. Which, yeah, it's that's Trypticon's tank guy, and then Cog. Which is Fort Max's. Ooh. Which is Fort Max's, yeah. Yep. Got it, got it. All right. It's a really interesting trio. Yeah, it's a fascinating trio. <laughs> it's like they're all parts of city bots. Uh, like they're all parts of Titans. 
Yeah, yeah all parts of Titans. Interesting. It's it's interesting. So we hear notes furiously being scribbled. <laughs> so I'm sitting in a room that one wall is entirely a whiteboard. <laughs> um, and the other two, three of the other walls are all glass. So every, it's like a fishbowl. Um, uh, but I, the squeaky sounds may, may or may not be whiteboard. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Um, also, if you guys ever want to do alt art cards as prizes or anything, they made up a new alt mode for six gun. Oddly enough, he still turns into six guns, but then you can plug them together and he looks kind of like a VTOL thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you ever want to drop the six gun prize card for the for what FN Friday night FNTF, um, we got we got you set up. <laughs> um, so yeah. The 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 one other main uh, technical question I've got. We know that there are nine cards in the battle deck uh, that Metroplex comes with that are his new cards in play sets, which is so great because it means we can just get deck building with them right away. Uh, I know that was a big question that was thankfully answered with the uh, the, the news item about how the, the release was also bumped up to November sixteen. Um, can you give us some more info on the other thirty one cards though? Because that's what I'm curious about. They're all cards from the um, Wave One booster set. Uh, so, and it is a deck that is specifically tuned to help Metroplex do his thing. So it's got, you know, for example, three, uh, uh, rapid conversions, um, three inspiring leaderships. It's got some handheld blasters. It's got a fl- It's got three flamethrowers. Um, uh, it, it, it's got data pads to help set up the, um, you know, set up the big turn, Metroplex, uh, I am also super interested as to what other decks people come up with. Like, are there other ways that people want to build a Metroplex deck, uh, and particularly the battle deck, to see if you bring in different directions? I can't wait to see people play with it. I, I really want to pull the Brainstorm double rapid conversion play. I love breaking tempo, so rapid conversion is is quickly been one of my favorite cards, uh, along with rollout. Um, like doing a rollout with the shadow plate duo uh, of Optimus and Shockwave is super fun, and then rapid conversioning Shockwave immediately back to robot mode so that you know he can get back to doing his thing. Um, and uh, or or popping a brainstorm out of Optimus's action flip and then doing some dumb stuff out of there. It's it's like going outside of the set tempo of the game has been both really fun for me in a kind of chaos level, but also a fun way to introduce uh, a level of of I guess more adult depth. Um, while operating in the bedrock of the, you know, the fairly straightforward, friendly rules that the game has, which has been one of the fun things about about going to places like TFCon and seeing people play their first game and, and how quickly they can connect with it. And then you turn around and immediately do some kind of ridiculous thing with Rare Optimus and Shockwave. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, the balance between, like, the, the rules are simple and the, the tricky stuff is written on the cards. It seems like it's been universally received pretty well. Uh, looking at Agreed. other discussion threads, and it, it, yeah. it has absolutely been been received super well. Um, I mean, the, the reception from fans is is very positive, and the on, we watch people on board to the game, and it's it's going exactly as we hoped. Where easy to grok game rules leads to a satisfying first experience, which leads to buying some packs and opening them and discovering favorite characters. And then learning about the sort of a lot of the meat and depth in set one is deck building. Mm-hmm. Um, first, the easy paths, then, the, then the, those kind of wacko paths like the shadow play deck that you're talking about, which is a very cool deck to play. And then you'll you'll see a little bit more of card complexity come out in the second set, mm-hmm. the second set. And we, we amp that up. We dial it up a little bit. We add a little bit of more game complexity. Uh, complexity to cards while we keep the base rules you know the same yeah yeah and uh like one thing i'm really enjoying about the metroplex stuff is like i said it before you're adding what i consider to be kind of like the bedrock for brand new mechanics that could apply you know going forward to other characters even but for the most part it's not like you're creating brand new rules like metroplex's deployment rule feels kind of like the newest one but even then it's kind of like you know, Slammer being a one-side card, it's literally the card doesn't have a bot mode side. Or four-star right. characters is, it's just a character, but they're four stars instead of five. So it's not like you're creating, say, a mini-con rule. 
you've just got, you know, what could be occupied, like, what a Minicon character could occupy, or, or, you know, what a Soundwave's cassettes could occupy, without creating a brand new mechanic all around it that has a new, you know, rule addendum, and etc. Um, mm-hmm. Right, there's there's creation of building blocks that can then be sort of put together in different combinations to help evoke specific characters' um, particular abilities in, you know, in the IP, uh, or or a toy's particular um, uh, mechanic or gimmick. And, it, and as you said, little building blocks added together in different permutations give us a ton of flexibility without adding a ton of complexity, which I think is the hallmark of elegant game TCG design. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, it also, like, like I think I mentioned this when we first talked, there's a lot in the rules here that in another... In another game that is based on an existing popular media license, I would have assumed the rules would immediately cut off some of the the more open avenues for creativity. Like an easy one is being you can put Autobots with Decepticons, uh, yeah. like things where you would imagine limitation for thematics. One, one of the ones I was worried about was is Metroplex even going to be able to use upgrades? And and you know when you confirm that he's basically just a giant character card and gets all the fun interactions that 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 uh, entails, that makes me really hopeful as well. You know that like. Uh, thematic limitation seems to not be a hallmark for this game. It feels like thematic stuff is more like in support of the mechanics than figuring out reasons to not do stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. One, there's one thing that has surprised me and slightly disappointed me, and that is we, writ- we wrote this game to be super literal in that the cards do what they say and the rules do what they say, and people keep... Um, uh, people in the community keep asking questions, and you can see this in the FAQ. It's like the top five questions are the ones we get all the time. And one of them is, well, can I play Autobots and Decepticons? And and similar questions like, well, what happens if I flip a character over after I put, like, uh, Matrix of Leadership on Optimus mm-hmm. Prime and I convert him back into a truck? Like, does it fall off? And I think I underestimated... Um, how much supporting help we need there because people are mm. are used to, as you said, these, these kind of artificially imposed limitations. And we, we want people to have freedom to make cool decks and have cool experiences. And, and yeah, I, I just, I would just love to get the message out. Take the cards literally. Oh they, yeah. They that was, that was one thing that um, as we were doing the, the TF con room, um, as there were some people that had gotten, um, there were what, two dealers there that had full boxes you could buy. And there were people that had gotten them early and cracked them open and were sitting there like deck building or even just looking at stuff. And there were some people that were like, wait a second, you can combine Autobot and Decepticon. Well, why? It's like, well, it's not against the rules. And I think I, I used your line of like, you know, if you want to do that and you know, if you and your friend want to have an Autobots versus Decepticons, I mean, you could do it that way, but I don't, you know, that's an outside factor. That's not something that's getting locked in yeah. at design. So, like, hey, maybe maybe there is a, a Decepticon that plays better with those two Autobots than the, you know, spare Inferno that you have or something like that. And then it, it, it seemed like the couple of times that it happened, there was, like, trying to break like that idea because they already had it locked in their head. And then it was like, Oh, Oh, and then they looked back down at their cards and Oh, and then like start shuffling things around again. And I'm, I'm 100% coming from those people's perspective of like, like, let me list off some of the things that, that uh, were pleasant surprises to me. First off, you know, you can mix factions. Um, Another one. I don't know. I've gotten this from other games. I can't give you a specific right off the top of my head. When it became clear to me that Bold and Pierce numerically stack, that was a big moment for me, too. Because for some reason, I got it in my head like, well, these have to cancel each other out. You know, it has to be like Bold 4 replaces Bold 3 because that's just what happens. Uh, That's how I learned, like, how valuable Force Field is. When I first saw the Force Field card, when I cracked my booster box, I thought, well, when's someone going to hit you for five or more? And then I realized, like, oh, in constructed play, this gets, like, Star Realms crazy of, like, a Dinobot deck is about getting to, like, bold 18 and, like, flipping yes. half your battle card deck and doing, like, 38 damage. <laughs> I, I loved, uh, on the Facebook group, there was there was a thread where people were trying to max out the bold that Grimlock could get. Yeah. I, we, I, I was just... just you know, the, the numbers kept ticking up as people were, you know, figuring out better and better configurations to do it. 
that was fantastic. But yes, exactly. It's exactly that. Um, and we're going to so di- so did they actually get to the top number that you guys had, or is there like an honestly, additional I level? Know the game designers were the game designers were were crunching on that. I believe <laughs> they had a number in the pack when they were doing play testing. Um, I'll, I'll have to check in with Ken Nagel, the lead designer, um, to see if uh, the fans got to the the max number that we believed to be <laughs> the, the bold ceiling. <laughs> For some reason, I just imagine a bunch of like old timey bankers with the big like crank arm calculating machines. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We're gonna have to take out a bold loan. <laughs> um, gentlemen, my time with you this this episode is coming to a close. No worries, no worries. Um, well, I'll, I'll just say it right away. Thanks again for your time. Thanks for um, sharing, you know, slightly ahead of schedule, the Metroplex stuff with us so we could have this discussion. Um, Absolutely. Um, and- I want to plug one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be at PAX Tabletop. Okay. Which is in Philadelphia from November 30th to December 2nd. So... By the time this airs, that information will be out there. But um, I will be there personally, um, along with Matt Tabak, the rules manager. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are scheduled to appear. No promises. We are scheduled to appear. Um, Okay. There will be constructed events. Um, uh, The listings will be going up a few days from now when we're recording this. Um, But by the time this goes, you post this live, those, those listings will be up. And I hope to see folks there. All right. Uh, and, I, and I will bring my tank deck. Well, my, my one thing I want to say is uh, when you guys are able to, when when it, when it, when the event horizon has cleared and we're into the bright future that it is going to be, uh, I also hope to see you guys maybe at a fan expo over here in Toronto. Because um, I, uh, I want to, sh- I want to, I want to subject you all to shadow play. I'm not sure if I can make it to PAX tabletop, but I, I need to subject you guys to shadow play. So, we got to figure that out. I would, I would love to see you guys at a convention. Sorry, I couldn't. Ah, uh, that's, that's that's okay. We I mean we got we got the John um, experience, and that was still something. Um, I still kind of got a bit of the John experience on me. I you know I haven't done my laundry yet since I got back from the convention. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Drew, thanks for your time. Aaron, any last uh, words you want to throw in? No, no, I'm uh, excited to. Uh, I'll probably be teaching this to a lot of people during uh extra life here but that'll be after this goes or will have already happened by the time this goes up that is fantastic i super commend you for participating in extra life that is a wonderful thing yeah thank you i'm i'm bald and was bald at tfcon because of it so i won literally didn't recognize aaron when he stood right in front of me i thought he was someone else i didn't know his multiple times that much to me but yeah multiple times uh i'm gonna start getting the word out if folks in toronto want to want to learn some of this game i am now due to my own financial irresponsibility fully equipped to teach people how this game works uh i've been i've been having a lot of fun doing multi-deck uh builds out of my collection and uh Thank you, Drew, for making such a fun deck brewing experience. I am astonished how good... I mean, this is weird to yell at you because you worked on the game since before we knew it existed. But yeah. this is such a solid engine. And Aaron mentioned it to, to to John. The last time we had a Transformers card game, it was less of a game and more of a set of rules built around how do we sell people pop-out paper models of Transformers that kind of look like stick people. So um, I, that was before my time, and I can't really speak to it. But I can tell you that... <laughs> We spent an enormous amount of time on the game rules engine for Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the credits, there's an enormous, enormous list of people who have participated in, in the design. And a ton of that were people who were working on various versions of the uh, games rules engine. I think we I, I mentioned this, we went through like seven or eight different versions. Um, Mark Rosewater put up a Drive to Work podcast a little while ago where he talks about his experience contributing to the um, the Games Rules Engine with Scott Van Essen, who's a number, another member of the team, um, Lucas Lessinger. There, there, were, there were so many of us, and I think it really shows. And I thank you so much for recognizing the amount of work that went into making this core rules something that we could build upon. From. Oh, it, it's it's amazing. Like like you know, we're, we got to come to a close here. I just got to throw one more out here. Like this, the and I know this is not your guys' actual perspective because you are 
folks who work in games, and, and often this perspective is something that's more invented by we who are on the outside, the rules for this game and the delivery on just wave one, in many ways, it feels like this game almost aggressively, almost almost like aggressively has answers for so many base cynicism responses that one could have to it, my own included, even right down to, um, you know, it is difficult to get the super rare characters and people immediately say, oh, you or, you know, you only get uh on ratio, it seems, uh, between two to four rares per box. And then the game kind of goes like, yes, that's correct. Of the character cards, you're also getting 30 rare battle cards. Uh, it's astonishing how on ratio, it seems there are lots of, lots of, uh, battle card play sets being pulled from booster boxes. It's like, uh, just on, on the, the, the blind pack aspect of things on the, uh, the, the gameplay rules side of things, like, you know, every, every potential artificial limitation for narrative isn't there, uh, because this game wants to be a good game first and foremost. Um, you know, like I said, this, it's still young. This is me coming off of month one, but yes, I just wanted to, to do that little blurb at you. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun getting to really care about a Transformers product that isn't the toys and the various storytelling medias. I, I love I love those words, man. That's that, and I will pass that along to all the people who worked on. It. Yeah, it, it's uh, we're having this this thing with the Bumblebee movie coming up as well. Um, from all the stuff we've seen, there are a lot of Transformers things. There are a lot of good ones, but there's also a lot where we as fans kind of take them as like, well, this is the thing that makes the money, so we get more of the stuff we like. And right. and yeah, it's it's really cool to actually genuinely like a Transformers thing that's outside of the usual purview of the franchise. So uh, yes, please keep it up. Please, please keep making these cards. And uh, that's, yeah, that's all I got. This just goes into me yelling about Canada some more. And John's heard plenty of that. <laughs> all right. Well, then, until the next time I'm on your show, guys, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Likewise, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Bro. Yes. What the f- that?